one of these days, I'm going to get that timing down right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made us to rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know about you, but I've been so grateful for the rain, so grateful for what God is doing in our lives and what God is doing here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. If you are visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. And we want to ask you to take the time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place an altar place you come around. You can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. And we want to encourage you to come and be a part of what God is doing here in the sanctuary. Come and be a part of that. Get involved in what God is doing. The Robinson Avenue has a place for you here. And there's a wonderful time ahead in Robinson Avenue. All right. I do have some announcements I want to share with you. Number one, and the most important, I was told by my secretary, is the office is closed tomorrow for observance of Labor Day. So don't try to come by, because I will not be there. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Woody. Good to see you this morning, uh, and I appreciate that. Praise God. <laughs> With that being said, we are, after service today, going to have a special call to business meeting. And the purpose for that is to, one, one of them will not be blown the roof. Uh, we did have some rain come down really hard, as you know, uh, a few days ago, and we had a very large leak out of the men's restroom. So we were able to get that cleaned up. Uh, thanks, thanks be to God uh, for the very, very strong effort of Sister Amy in cleaning that up. And uh, Brother Matt and I were able to get up on the roof and, and locate what we think where the leak came from and were able to patch that. And we had an experience with the other However, while we were up there, we noticed extensive, extensive damage. So that needs to be done uh, as soon as possible. So we had a special call business meeting scheduled for September 18th. However, with that emergency need, we need to bring just a roof to you after service today. So please start praying about that. Uh, we need your authority and uh, permission to proceed with giving that to us. And uh, so please pray for us in that. And please be a part of our special call business meeting. If you're a member, if you're not a member, you can witness but you can't vote, okay? All right, so let me bring out that uh, our item of the month for Operation Sister's Child is, BJ, can you help me out with that? Well, you did better than I did. I wanted to say jump rope. <laughs> Puzzles, games, and musical instruments. So uh, when I was growing up, the worst Christmas gift I ever got in my life was a drum. My parents hated it. And so sometimes I feel a little mischievous when I put a drum or something inside of one of those Christmas uh, boxes. And say, I'm sending that to somebody, somebody's mom or daddy, and be like, I hate that drum. And I feel crazy, God. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Come and be a part of that as well. All right. I do have a few other announcements I want to share with you. Our youth group is still currently looking for some help in the youth department, looking for volunteers to be willing to help them on their on their uh, trips and on their field trips and things like that on some of their special occasions. They're preferring someone who doesn't have a youth in our youth group so they can be uh, there with those youth and, and be a part of that as well, not feel like a mom or dad that's there looking over them. So uh, if you're interested in that, here's Brother Brandon. And speaking of youth, he's got an announcement he wants to share with you. Come on up, Brother Brandon.
congregation, they require me to be there at 10, probably be able to start to nine a.m. Some of you are especially just for going this way down, you're welcome to do that. So I think there's three or four of us that are wanting to go, maybe five, uh, and we can all ride together in my truck, the bike, or the electric car, uh, and we can leave about nine a.m. Uh, that Saturday the 10th. So if you're interested in that, please get with me because I need a count of that and um, how many people are coming. Said, Amen. We will beat the Methodists to Taco Bell. <laughs> now, go with a word of prayer, and as we pray, we please rise and welcome one another. Father God, we come down to Jesus' name. Thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for your love and for your peace. And I pray you send us back here right now with your spirit. May your spirit be lifted up, and may we worship, Lord, your Son. And may we lift up and exalt your Son and give glory to your name through your Son. And may your spirit, Lord, lead us and guide us and direct us and teach us to do this. And I pray, Father God, that you Be with those that are out traveling, Lord, and those that are out sick. And I ask you to bring them safely back to us. And we give you the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. And y'all please rise and welcome one another.
Let's all please stand. We'll start this service off by singing Unclouded Day.
Okay. Who all caught the theme of today's meeting? We were singing about heaven. Right? So, I can't think of a better way to conclude the services by us singing this song. Please pray. Uh, it was kind of rough when we practiced it. your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all like I only imagine? I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? I'll be able to speak it all I can only imagine 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 
not a lot of difference in pronunciation there. Liars, lawyers, what's the difference? So we also think about that too. What does a lawyer do? A lawyer does his best or her best to lead a judge or a jury into believing their story. Sometimes that involves not necessarily lying, at least we wouldn't call it lying, but if creatively adding or removing from the story for the jury or the judge to believe that. What about bureaucrats? You say, wait a minute, how can bureaucrats be in the lie? Well, let me tell you what a bureaucrat does, and not all of them do this, just like not all the politicians are liars, and not all lawyers are liars. The bureaucrats will often take a constitution or a uh, rule book or a uh, human resources book of rules, and they use it to manipulate their way of thinking or what they want. And that's bureaucracy. And they use it and sometimes manipulate it, which is nothing less than a lie as well. What comes to your mind when you think of lie? Really and honestly, what comes to your mind when you get that term lie? I don't know about you, but I, I get that term liar. It's like painted on me. When I think about the lies I've told as a child, I think about the lies I've told as a teenager and later on as a young adult, lies. And like I said, usually they were to keep from getting in trouble, or usually to keep from having the blame put upon me. And the older I got, the more I realized, well, it doesn't matter. The blame's going to come around to you eventually. Even if you do push it off for a little while, the truth will come out. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to give you, before we get started, before we even open with prayer, I want to give you a true story about a time I had someone with me who told a lie. Before you get offended and say, don't be telling about anybody, Brother Josh. I'll tell you about this young man. He was in seminary with me. I'm not going to give you his name. He's still ministering today. It was a, if, if you could ever call a lie innocent, this was an innocent lie. And it got him caught and trapped into something. To be honest with you, I kind of led him that way. And I was in my first pastorate at Olin Baptist Church. This was 20-some-odd years ago. And I was still in my undergrad Bible school. And... Uh, my music minister, God bless her heart, was the sweetest lady in the world, but was as old as Methuselah. So the song service would generally last four or five minutes. And that was, she would end up in a, a fit of coughing, or she would just sit down after two songs and say, I'm done. And it was, it was reprehensible, to say the least. In the words of Simon Cowell, it was atrocious. It really was. It was horrible, but God bless her heart, she was doing what the church needed, which is still a need. And incidentally, while I'm on the topic, not to be on the soapbox, but a need does not constitute a call. Sometimes we feel a need and we think, well, God's calling me to this. Wrong. Sometimes God takes you from your comfort zone, uses you to fill a need until the person God has called steps up. And that's when you experience conflict. And you say, well, I'm called because I've been doing it for years and years and years. No, no, no. You feel the need. You feel the need. I wonder sometimes in my theological mind what the Israelites, the Hebrews, felt when Moses showed up and said, Hey, God is telling me that he's going to deliver you. I wonder who those leaders were that were feeling that need. How hard was it for them to step down and say, Moses, resist? What comes to mind when you think of lies? Well, this story comes to my mind. My music minister, like I said before, super duper duper old, but super duper duper sweet. And I'm not putting down old people. She was, let's just be honest with you, she could not sing. 
This is like me trying to sing for uh, a recording service for a CD. It wasn't going to happen. Well, my music minister from Olin is now long dead and definitely in heaven. Um, however, uh, she took a look at me and Betsy, and we had one child time talk to us. She was young, and she knew that we were hurting for money. And she said, Brother Josh, I know you're hurting, and I know you need money. She said, that works. Would you come and paint my house? I'll pay you a sum of money, whatever I can afford. And of course, I knew she needed the help. God knows I needed the money, so I agreed to do this. It was as uh, as I was able to do so. So the first time I drove out there, it was in the middle of a place real close to Olin, uh, not far at all from it. I don't want to give you the name of the town, but. Uh, if you are a Texas history, they say Billy the Kid is from that town. It's right there, pretty close to Oldham, four or five miles from it. So I drove into her town and found her house. It sat on 110 or 115 acres. It hadn't been touched by human beings in 40 or 50 years. Well, all the family had passed away. She lived them all. She still raised cattle, but she only raised them on five or ten acres. And she would sell them off. But she made a very good living like this. And when I got there, I looked at the house. The house was also 110 years old. And it had it was solid wood, but it had been painted for years. It was just that gray wood, that weathered gray wood. And for time's sake, I'm going to tell you right now, she said, Josh, I want you to scrape it. No, like there's nothing to scrape. And I want you to paint it. But she didn't buy regular white paint. She bought, you know, that filled outdoor paint. So she bought gallon after gallon after gallon. And I began painting that house, and of course, it was, just, it was so dry, it was soaked up until the moment I put it on there. I'd wipe it, and wipe it, and i turn around, and it was back to gray. I thought, what happened? And so this was going to take me longer than I thought, and of course, it was on ladders and things like that. And on top of that, it was, the house was kind of on stilts, and underneath the house was a den of rattlesnakes, and you could hear them rattling. So, you know, I was on edge. So I thought to myself, I'm going to find somebody to help me so I can get this done real quick. But I'm up on top of this ladder this day, and I am scraping what is left of some white leaded paint. And uh, I'm putting some heels up at the same time as I go, trying to knock out two birds with one stone. But I scraped and paint, scraped and paint as I'm going, so I don't have to get back up there. Well, uh, a beautiful, heavenly aroma escaped from her very modest kitchen. It was garlic, y'all. And let me tell you right now, so fat boy, garlic is heaven. Garlic and pepper came, and I got my mouth began to water, and my stomach began to rumble. And if you have been around me when I'm hungry, it sounds like the North Atlantic Ocean with whales in it when I'm hungry. So there was no denying it. I was up on that ladder, and that heavenly aroma came. And Betsy had made me a lunch. She does, and she, God bless her heart, and always still to this day, and she's not eating lunch with me. Puts a love note in my lunchbox. Twenty-five years. Still get that love note, and if I don't get that love note, I track her down and ask her, "Where's my love note? I want that love note." Doesn't matter if it says the same thing. I want my love note. And uh, she packed me a lunch, and it was a very modest lunch. It was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a bag of crunched up chips that Joshua had crunched up, and I had some sort of snack in there, a Twinkie. I don't remember what it was, and it was in a Walmart bag and had this love note in it. And I placed it under the seat of my own truck. 
And but she called me from the kitchen in my old music minister and she said, Brother John, if you come and eat, and I jumped off of that ladder, landed on my feet like a paratrooper, ran into that kitchen, and she said, Stop! Wash your hands. I washed my hands and her sink which was well watered. And let me tell you, to me it was kind of funny because the sand and the dirt were coming out of the faucet and I'm washing the sand and dirt off my hands. I was like, whatever, I'm going to eat. Praise God. Sat down at the table. She said, what do you say, Grace? And I say, a heavenly grace. You know, um, give it out there. And she starts serving it up. And she raises the lid off this pot. And my face just turns from a smile to a frown. She had boiled some piece of meat with tomatoes and garlic. It smelled great, but it had that, that frosty slime on the meat that was boiled. She plopped it on a plate, and it sounded like someone threw a rock on it. Bing! I thought, that is too leather. So I cut this thing, and I ate a piece of it, and it was so creamy and so disgusting that I almost lost my appetite. It was extremely bland. It was literally like eating cardboard. Even though it smelled wonderful. So, after about five bites, I told a lie. I did. God forgive me. Please forgive me, sir. I said, ma'am, and I can call her by name, this is really good. You're a wonderful cook. She said, oh, thank you. My husband used to love my cooking. I'm thinking, that's why he's dead. So, I get through this. And I mean, I'm on the way home. I'm living in Brownwood. She is in this town close to Oldham. And uh, it's an hour and a half, hour and 40 minute drive. And I'm driving and I get my stomach is sick and I stop on the side of the road and let the contents of my stomach out on the road. And uh, yeah, it was not good. It turns out, you know, this is the meat she had the freezer from like 1973. So I was thanking God for his mercy for not, not giving me food poisoning, you know. And so I go back to school the next day and I, I grab this guy who also needed help. He was hurting. Um, and so I said, once you help me, and whatever she pays me, I'll split with you. He said, right on. You know, we shook hands and drove out there in a week or two to finish the job, and I took him out there to climb up that ladder. And he was a really, really, really big guy, like six nine, seven foot tall, about 600 pounds. He was a big man. But he was not getting on that ladder. So I was up on the ladder, and lo and behold, Betsy made me a lunch again. And that heavenly aroma started coming out of the kitchen. And I heard his stomach all the way up. And I just smiled to myself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. His stomach was grumbling. And she hollered, Brother John, come get lunch. Boy, he went running like I did the first time. I dropped his paintbrush in the grass. But I was running. I walked down the ladder this time. And I was like, this is dead man walking. Dead man walking. And I had lied. And I created However, we get in there and she asks him for the blessing and he does. You know, he's a pastor in Brownwood and he says the blessing. He gives a wonderful, very spirit-felt blessing. He is grateful for that food and it's the same dish, same stock pot. He opens up the same frosty meat. I don't know, I don't know how you get that brown slime on the meat. He plops it out of the plate and his smile turns upside down. stomach at the table. The smell wonderful. He's 
goes without eating. My stomach's about half of that thing down. He had covered his wonderful again. And he'd get out there, and of course, next week, they'd lunch, and stuff under the seat of my stuff to stay out of the stomach. And I knew it was in there. And when we got done, he paid us, and I split it with him 50 50, and I got in the truck. And let me tell you, I had a little Ford Ranger, and when he got in the truck, we were driving like this all the way back. But I heard his stomach growling. So somewhere around Justine, which is about halfway there, Justine, Manistee area, somewhere back in that area on 219, I pulled over and said, hey, I've got this lunch. I'll let you eat it. I know you're hungry. He said, thank you. Bless you. God bless you. He said, how did you eat that trash, God? And that kind of irritated me. I looked at him in the face and I said, you're a liar. He said, what do you mean? I told him, Revelation 21, all liars had a part in the lake of fire. Make them look like they are just a part of normal life. We try to make them look like 
they belong in our society and even our television makes a minister. How many of you watched Pinocchio when you were a child? How many of you know about when he told a lie, his nose got bigger and bigger and bigger? Well, eventually that was he was able to handle that with just a hacksaw, amen? Well, if only it was that easy. If I could take care of the past and the, the lies and the weeds we create and the webs we make with just a hacksaw. Truth is, lies are never innocent. They always end up hurting someone in the long run. Remember, though, the devil is the father of lies. And unfortunately, the devil has managed to place several lies that have made their way into the churches of America today. And let me be honest with you, I have a long presentation for you this morning. If we don't get finished, we'll conclude it tonight. But we're going to try to get through that without rushing it now, okay? We're going to look at three of those lies and see how they have affected, and pardon the typo right there, how they have affected the American church today. Because they are present in almost every church I've ever pastored. They are present in almost every church I've ever visited. And they are present in the churches that don't claim to be a church but some sort of home group. They are there. And they're still there. And you don't want until we recognize it and cast it out in the name of Jesus. It's going to stay there. Amen? Some of you are like, what kind of lie are you talking about, Brother John? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's line number one. Here's line number one. Really not new at all, but we like to think of it. We all have been there from the beginning. Remember, the devil is the father of lies, and it's the original lie, and it still affects us today. You might say, Pastor, what is it? What is that lie? Well, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. It goes all the way back before that. If you want to know the truth, it goes back to when we read God's word. We have a problem looking at it. So look with me at Genesis 3, and let's just read verses 1 through 5 quickly now. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, nor shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Then the serpent saith to the woman, Ye will not surely die, for God knoweth that in the day ye eat of it, that your eyes shall be opened, and ye will be like unto God, knowing good and evil. So what is that lie? Because it's still in the church today. And that lie is pretty simple. And that lie, let's just cut it out and dry right again. That lie is, did God really say that? It's still going on today. You say, where? Let me tell you where it begins. It begins in the book of Genesis where we have a problem believing that God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, we allow our children to go into schools and to other places and let our government, let our society lie to our children, saying that we evolved from apes. Saying that the earth is millions and billions of years old and it wasn't created in six days. Well, I want you to know that what we're really doing is doubting what God said. When we believe that lie and we allow it to infiltrate our churches, we're giving credence to what the devil says, to what the serpent says. Did God really say that? In fact, what we're really having a problem with is, well, the Bible was written by men, Brother Josh, and they don't know everything. Boy, you're so right about that. But I want you to know something about the Bible. The Bible is infallible. The Bible is inspired. 
The Bible is inerrant. In fact, I believe every word from cover to cover in my Bible. And if you were to look on the cover of my Bible, it says Brother Joshua. I believe that as well. Amen? It is, without a doubt, the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. And if the Bible says it, I believe it. And that includes that God created this world in six days. And that God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That God created a garden and He put man in it. That there was one man, one woman. And God made from them all the races of this earth. I believe that. I don't believe there was millions of years somewhere else. I don't believe that there was billions of years behind the scenes or that God didn't acknowledge it. No, 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 no. I believe what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was. Amen. Your society right now tries to tell you that dinosaurs and mankind are separate, that there was billions and millions of years before that, I want you to know that God created man on the sixth day, not the six millionth year. He put us there. And when we give credence to the lie that the devil's been telling us, did God really say that? Did, did you trust the Bible? Really what you're saying is, I don't believe what God said. And that is in the church today. Let me tell you where you can find it at. Did God really knock down the walls of Jericho? Were they resounding? Yes, He did. Did God really swallow Jonah with a great fish? You bet He did. Is Jesus coming back? Yes, He is. If you can doubt the beginning of the Bible, then you have reason to doubt the end of the Bible. If it's not true everywhere, it's not true anywhere. You know what? There are churches today that are beginning to say, well, God used evolution to create mankind. It really wasn't six days, but 6,000 years. And they are trying to marry modern-day science with modern-day Christianity. And I want you to know something right now. Modern-day Christianity is not biblical Christianity. And modern-day science is nothing but a political platform to try to put some agenda. We need to get back to the Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. And we need to get back in God's Word. And we need to stand up to the lies of the devil. Do you know why our country is having a problem with transgenderism? It's because we do not believe that God made only two sexes, male and female. We're doubting His Word. And that's a lie of the devil. Amen? We need to get back to that. Back to His Word. And you might say, well, the, the Bible was written by men. Pastor, you know what? He was in the same boat because you know who told her what God said? Adam. Adam did. Adam went to her and said, God says this. And she had to take his word for it. And I want you to know, there's a picture in that particular story. Because we are the bride of Christ. And we have to believe what God sent to us through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. We've got to hold on to it. It's infallible. It's inerrant. And it's inspired. People say all the time, can we trust it? Let me tell you something. You better trust it. You better start trusting it because this world is falling apart. This world is breaking at the seams. The only thing you can stand on is the Word of God. The only thing you can hold on to is the Word of God. That Jesus praying to His Father says, 
Thy word is truth. And we need to put that back to work in our lives and in our church Perhaps you've seen that line of evolution where they say you come from an ape. I had a picture a minute ago, and I'd like to send that back to my friend. The line of evolution. Do you believe that we evolved from animals? I want you to know there's a difference between humans and animals. Some of you might be getting mad this morning saying, my animals are human beings. Wrong. I know you may love your dogs, but they're really not children. I get heartbroken that we spend more money on dogs than we do children. My heart breaks that we have hungry children in this world and obese. There's a difference between animals and human beings. People will say, Pastor, what's the difference? Let me tell you what the difference is. The difference is that God breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul. They're alive. They don't have what we have. No matter what you teach them or what tricks you teach them, they cannot reason with right or wrong. They can't do it. I'll tell you what they can learn. If I do that, I get preached if I do this. Some human beings are starting to act like that. So here's the problem with that line infecting our churches today. The Presbyterian Church has accepted evolution. The Catholic Church has accepted evolution. The Episcopalian Church has held on to evolution. And the Baptist Church, God help us, is trying to hide its sin. And they need to be called out for it on the carpet in front of us. God's people, and we need to start standing up there. It's not us who moved from Southern Baptist life. It's you. We're still the real people of God. Here's the problem when we allow Satan's lie to enter the church and into our classrooms and into our children as we start doubting that man was made in God's image. And we start believing a lie that we evolved from monkeys. You understand what we're trying to say? When we say we evolved from monkeys, then we take God's word and say we were made in His image. Does your God look like an ape? No, He doesn't. You're made in His image, and you are beautiful. And God takes your worth, His only begotten Son. The next slide we need to tell is about this creation. It takes years to get six days. Let me tell you, the Bible says six days, and God means what He says. God says what He means. In the beginning, God created the earth, the heavens and the earth. Days he made it, and on the seventh day he rested. And to this day, science is still trying to debunk that, trying to come up with a lie to say, Look, it's millions and billions of years old. The truth is, it's as old as God wanted it to be. There are many denominations today that accept evolution as fact and dismiss the creation and evidence. I pointed out a few of them to you today. That's the reason why the church is now accepting. Uh, transgenderism and homosexuality behind the pulpit because they dismiss what God said. In the beginning, God created male and female. Not male slash woman. Not woman identifying as a man. Not LGBTQ. Whatever. He made them male and female. And they're supposed to be married for life with one person. If we get back to God's Word, there would be no issue. 
If we dismiss the created scriptures, then we have to dismiss all scriptures. Because the creation narrative is what sets God up as Lord of all. Sets him up as Lord of all. Because he created it. That means he has the right to rule it and to govern it. And to God. And when we take that away or try to take that away from God, what we really say is, I want to do what I want to do. And I want to do it how I want to do it. I want to say it how I want to say it. And God is no bearing on me. So deep down inside, when the devil whispers in your ear, did God really say that? You need to ask yourself, what do you believe? I want to be honest with you. I don't want to lie to you this morning. Did God create the heavens and the earth? Yeah. But to me, that's a still worth dying on. That's a battle worth fighting. And I know you might be watching online and saying, Pastor, you are an ignorant fool. Because science is going to prove you wrong. You know what? I'm not smart enough to pull out all kinds of DNA and helix spirals and all kinds of things to show you. I can't do that. But what I can do is this. If God said it, that settles it. I believe it. And I'm going to stand on it. We allow the world to tell our children that God didn't create it. And that God didn't create our world. And it evolved. And it just fell into pieces and places. Let me tell you, there's nothing more crazy in my mind and my way of thinking than somebody who believes that creation is an accident. That's like saying, if you go outside and look at this church and say, somebody dumped a bunch of wood and bricks and cement and insulation out in the parking lot and it fell together as Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. You're about as dumb as they come. You know, when you look at the genius of creation, how could you say that? You look at the beauty of the trees, of the birds, of the dogs, of the apes we were just talking about, of yourself. You'll know that there's no accident. You have a purpose, and God has a plan for you. When we accept the lie of the devil, it casts doubt on God's word and God's trustworthiness. Lie number two is going to be Like lie number one, it's growing online community for churches. However, it's not brand new. It's roughly 2,000 years old. But it's still going strong and just as much involved in the church today. You say, Pastor, what is it? The lie is that I can be an effective Christian without the church. Let me tell you what the Bible says about being a church. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, Verses 24 to 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you, dear Christian, and dear Christian online, you cannot look at what's happening in the world today and not know that Jesus is at the very door and not feel the need to be in God's house with God's people. And yet we still sit at home neglecting the assembling together of God's people. The Bible tells us we should consider one another in order to steer love and good works. And the lie that's come out nowadays is, I don't need to be a part of the church. I'm my own church. Have you run into anybody like that? 
I know you have. Or some church assembly meeting. So I created my own church in the basement. And I got three people, and we gather together, and we praise God, and we play Monopoly. Is that a church? You better believe it's not. Why? Because they may be praising, but they're not edifying. And they may be singing, but they're not exhorting. They're not charging. They're not witnessing. And they're not doing God's will. It's not a church. It's a social group. You need to understand something. The Christians are not of this world. And when we come together on Sunday morning to worship, when we come together in His name, in His Spirit, in His house, we need to realize and remember that we are not of this world. So, let me ask you a question. When you were young, did you ever, ever see this movie? Did you ever see E.T. Extraterrestrial? Oh, I remember when that came out. I was in Germany. I think it was 1982. Thank you. Some of you loved it so much, you know, the year. E.T. I still remember E.T. phone home. Oh, I loved it. I was a young kid. I remember I cried, and my mom and dad gave me the T-shirt. E.T. T-shirt. Oh, I loved it. I never take it off. It got so dirty and stained up. I never throw it away, but I cried. But I threw it away as well. I don't know why I loved it, because I watched the movie a couple years ago, and I hated it. That's not the point. The point is, is we're not in this world, and neither was E.T. Christians that have fallen out of the church are a lot like E.T. And we're going around this world. Remember, we're not of this world. The Bible tells us we're not of this world. And we're trying to find a place we belong or a way to call home. A lot like E.T. We're walking around saying, somebody call home. I've got to get a connection with God the Father. I've got to get a connection with God the Son. And really, you're just as alone as E.T. Remember, we're not of this world. This world, when we get saved, becomes alien to us. Their love, their life, their desires become, well, let's be honest, become reprehensible to us. Sin, we start hating, don't we? As we grow in sanctification, as we grow in the Spirit, things that we used to do, we start hating. Things that we hated to do, we start loving. I think it's funny. When I was four years old, getting me in a bath was terrible. Now that I'm almost 50, getting me in a bath is a pleasure. Amen? Give me a hard part. Matthew 16, 17 and 18 tells us the name of that story. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell and gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Let's talk about that for a second. The church, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. When the church comes together, when the church gathers together in His name and worship, when the church comes together in the authority of His Word, not in the authority of hurt feelings, not in the authority of somebody made me mad, I'll find another church. When they come together in the authority of His Word, then the gates of hell will never prevail against God's church. That means we can stand up to evolution. We can stand up to the evils and lies of society today because we have God's promise on it that the gates of hell will never win against us. Amen? The Bible also tells us in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. 
You need to get to be with God's people. You might be sitting on a couch saying, I'm worshiping. I'm having church right now on the lake when I'm fishing. No, you're not. You need to get with two or three believers. Start praising. Start praying. Start exhorting one another. Start challenging one another. Start edifying one another. And when you do that, you'll find yourself in church with God's people. Because where two or three are gathered, there He is. We need to do that. And the lie today is, I don't have to be in church to be an effective Christian. You know what happens when you take yourself out of church? You become like these people. Walking around saying, phone home. Somebody give me a call. Somebody give me a collect call. You end up lost and alone. As a result of this lie, we now have thousands of denominations. Hundreds of thousands. We have countless confused and disoriented Christians who've lost their effectiveness. How? Well, here's a poll I have for you. This is from the American Theological Union. This is from, guess what? Lifeway. Look at the green bars. These are people that agree. 60% of American Christians today, better yet, just Americans, believe that heaven is a real place. Just 26% agree. Excuse me, 26% disagree uh, that all people will be ultimately united there. 26% of them uh, are, don't agree with that. 60% agree that heaven is a place where all people will be ultimately united with their loved ones. And every time I do a funeral for a non-Christian, someone you know is not a Christian, and the family's not Christian, they always want me to say, he's in heaven. I always tell them, God knows where they are. Sixty percent of Americans today say heaven is a place where all people will ultimately be united with their loved ones. Twenty-six percent of Americans don't agree with that. Those twenty-six percent have got to be Southern Baptists. Amen? Fourteen percent are not sure. They don't know. Look at the next category in the middle. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as a Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Fifty-four percent of Americans believe that. Forty-six percent do not. I'm telling you, this poll is over ten years old. What do you bet it's flip-flop? What do you bet it's flip-flop? Why? Because the millennials, the Generation Z, are now the ones leaving the household, not the baby boomers. Look at the third one. By the good deeds I do, I partly contribute to earning my place in heaven. 52% of Americans believe that. 35% don't agree, but 13% have no idea. However, if you look over far right, my far right, you're going to find that 40% of Americans agree that hell is an eternal place of judgment and God sends all people who do not personally trust in Jesus Christ. Just 40%. That ought to literally scare us. Just 40%. So what happens is when we allow this lie to infiltrate our church, but sooner or later, sooner or later, when, when I tell myself I don't need church, I can do my own Christian on my own, I do my own thing, because I no longer agree with the church, I get to create my own theology, as you just witnessed in the poem. 
I get to create my own worship style, my own worship service, and I do it my own service. Hey, I had churches born in 805 and 806. I was on the lake. I don't go to church on Sunday because the Cowboys are playing, but I'm worshiping at halftime when Madonna comes out and sings Amazing Grace in her underwear. Is that church? The problem is that you start creating your own theology. And now we have hurting Christians everywhere. Everywhere. I've met a lot of Christians in the past couple of weeks. Some are in churches, some are in home churches, and some won't step foot in the church ever again. And the reason why is because they don't need to pray. Number one, have you learned it? Move out of the law. We, we disagree. This church down the street may disagree with Mom's family. I guarantee you, Mom's family disagrees with a lot of Christians that come say. Why? Because we still believe this is the Word of God. It'll never change. Now, while I'm passing this, don't get me wrong. There are churches that are wrong too, man. Not just people who say out there. But I want to say this to you clearly. Listen to me now. You can come in close if you need to. Some of y'all didn't try God. You did try church. And when the church, quote-unquote, hurt you, and you found out that liars, fornicators, fake people also go to church, you concluded that God isn't real or that Christianity is a joke. Let me tell you something. If people can make you walk away from God, then you were never in a relationship. You were just in religion. All you've ever been in, and that's what you're trying to do now, is create a religion that justifies your need. Why don't you put this? This one is a need. Chapter 12. We're going to not be the Methodist from Taco Bell. This one isn't new either. This is old and trying to and it's very much in the church today. And it's manifesting itself daily in the American church. What is it? Why do you have got to be holy to get to Jesus? You gotta do something to get to Jesus. You gotta get cleaned up before you come to Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Remember, you gotta believe his word. His word. He gave it to us. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's right. This is what he said in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to come to Jesus. You might be saying, well, I've got to get a holy before I get to Jesus. You can't. Here's the picture of our holiness. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Genesis 6, 5, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Ezekiel 18, 4, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father is lawful, the soul of the Son is mine, and the soul of the sinner it shall die. I don't have time to go over Romans 3, 23. 
So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But I do want you to know about God. Our holiness will never be right. So look again, Hebrews 6, 17 to 20. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heir of the promise, the immutability of the counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Two immutable things. Two immutable things. They're not up for debate or bargain, whether you like them or not. Two immutable things for which it is impossible for God to lie. That means He said He created the world in six days, He created it in six days. That means that He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but through me. We might have a strong compilation of our sins. This led to refuge today. Hope and hope set forth. There's two immutable things. The one, God can't lie. The two, God has given us a strong hope. What hope is that? Look at 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. What hope is that? Where the forerunner has entered to us. Even having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That is our two immutable, unchanging facts. You can like them or lump them. They will not change. Here they are. God cannot lie. And two, Jesus entered into the Holy of the Holy and He presented Himself a sacrifice shedding His blood on Calvary's tree so that you can be forgiven. Why? Because He loves you. Why? Because we now have a hope that can never, ever be taken away by this world. Two immutable, unchangeable facts. It's impossible for God to lie. What's funny is the church today says, well, I don't know if I believe in Jonah. I don't know if I believe in Jericho. I don't know if I believe in creation. I don't know if I believe in dinosaurs. Did you see my time? Dinosaurs on That's right. Is there dinosaurs in the Bible? You bet there is. Why did we mankind? Well, you should read the book of Job. You should read the Psalms. There's a couple of things in there that could be. You know, let me tell you this. It's impossible for God to lie. God says He created His world as He is His word. The Bible tells us He confirmed it with an oath. God to give his oath. I commission the United States Army. I held out a Bible and put my right hand on it. I raised my left hand and I gave my oath of office to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And I received the commission of a law enforcement officer. I held my hand on the Bible and swore to uphold the law. of the Word of God. I stand in front of you today say I've given my oath that the world will not change me but the Word of God will make me into what He wants me to be. Confirmed it with an oath. What was God's oath? Surely you can hear it even now in your heart of hearts. Surely you can hear it in your ears. Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear, let them hear. 
trying to do. What does God know? I love you. What is his own? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's willing to come this morning. He confirmed it. Then he sang about it. Oh, glorious day. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Rising, he justified me. Freely, forever. Would you be willing to come this morning? Have to say, Pastor Josh, I need to say, Paul. Yes, you do. Pastor, brother Josh, I need to get back in God's work. Yes, you do. Pastor Josh, I need a relationship with God. Yes, you do. Would you be willing to come and give you your heart to him? Whatever it is he calls you to do. We're going to have a word of prayer. Brother Robert's going to lead us in song. If he's spoken to you, would you come and do so? Father, we come to you now, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And may your spirit right now have its way with our hearts. That there be anyone who needs to come to know you. Or anyone who needs to get their heart right with you. Or anyone, Lord God, that needs to get their Christian walk right with you. Perhaps, Lord, there's one who needs to join by standing. Or perhaps, Lord God, there's a sinner who needs to come home. Bless you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Come as we sing. Oh, we trust him. Come on. He didn't say it. What did he
know we're getting ready for our special public meeting for just a minute, but somebody did whisper a secret to me. And we have somebody here in our church who's celebrating a birthday. I understand he's 22 years old. Is that a lie? <laughs> so, John was going there. I'm going to ask Brother Robert, would you meet us and sing a happy birthday to Brother Woody? And make sure you hug his neck and tell him happy birthday. 